0: Tremendous host, known for the blessing for many, many years, uh, long before uh, she started, long before I was, maybe when I was a teenager. Uh, it's a tremendous opportunity for us to be able to hear words of the is what we'll call a world-renowned speaker, and um, he has the ability and disgust to inspire many, many, many people all over the globe. Uh, and uh, it's a tremendous pleasure and opportunity for us to have. Near 100, give us That's a stupid That's a stupid Okay, I don't know if I can So, what is a Stradivarius? I thought you might want to know the answer to that question. Stradivarius is an instrument produced by Antonio Stradivari. He was a luthier. A luthier means someone who could produce a stringed instrument, a violin, a cello, a guitar. During his lifetime, he was a genius. He crafted more than 1,100 instruments, and still today... There are 540 violins left, 50 cellos, and 12 12 violas. Stradivarius is like no other instrument in the world. It produces magical tones. There's nothing that any craftsman could make that could compare it to a Stradivarius. And historians and researchers have spent years analyzing what about this piece of wood produces these magical tones. So they came up with all kinds of theories. Some say it was the wood of the area in Italy where this guy, Stradivari, lived. Others believed it was the varnish, the shellac he put on. Still others said it was the water of the river of the city that contributed to produce these magical tones. One of the world's most renowned violinists, Joshua Bell, he was hired by the Washington Post. To conduct, a, to conduct an experiment. He was going to test the waters. How do people react to unexpected art? So he went to a subway station in Washington, D.C. He pulled out of his violin case a $3 million Stradivarius, and he randomly started to play his instrument. Now you have to understand, this guy Bell, when he plays music, he earns... $1,000 a minute. Something like, you know, what a pitcher on the New York Yankees makes for each pitch. $1,000 a minute he makes. He played for 45 minutes. 1,075 people passed by. 32 people stopped to throw in a nickel, a dime. And after 45 minutes, he earned $32. Normally, he makes $1,000 a a minute. So this experience, exper- experiment, caused a great sensation. Everyone's trying to understand and study. What exactly was it that nobody? Normally, people spend a hundred dollars a ticket, and now nobody would even put in a quarter, a nickel, a dollar. What do you have to pay money in life to enjoy something? You can only enjoy something if you pay money. You know, the Mishnah brings down from the Arizal: you should never do a mitzvah for free. Let's say somebody wants to give you matzah. Someone wants to give you lula, Don't tell, you should pay for it. Maybe, maybe there's a, a certain logic to it. Maybe in order to enjoy something in this world, you got to pay for it. If you don't pay for it, you don't enjoy what you get for free. Or some say, you know, actually nobody really appreciates music. Maybe everything is herd mentality. You have one blind guy who doesn't, and everyone's following him, but nobody really enjoys it. In the haraya, nobody would even stop and listen when it's free. But I think the explanation for this experiment is a very important human dynamic at play. And perhaps this will give us insight into the Zman of Sphere Soimer that we're, uh, we're embarking on now and really give us insight into uh, our high school years uh, in general. Here's the Klal. In life, the amount you get out of something, if you want to get something out of something, it is usually commensurate with how much preparation you make in other words if you don't prepare for something you get nothing out of it if you're not mechenat if you don't prepare if you're not ready i know what's happening something's happening something major is happening but i didn't prepare myself for it i almost get nothing out of it the benefits reaped out of any experience in life is usually exactly commensurate with the preparation a person made into preparing for that moment. You know, I think everybody would agree, one of the biggest challenges we have in life is davening. You know, we daven three times a day. We all agree it's important. We all know, know we're talking to Riban Isham. We know the words are written by Anshika Knesset And an honest person, after a mincha or after a shachras, he asks, okay, what do you get out of it? What do we get out of it? And one of the reasons, there are many reasons. One of the reasons is, is because we just, okay, okay, the shir is over, we're going to start, and we never stopped for one moment to think, okay, what am I about to do? If you don't pause for a moment in life, and stop and think, what am I about to do? You're going to get very little out of it. You know there's a halacha, there's a big machlekes in siman Samach and Shulchanach, Mitzvot Tzrichos kavana. Mitzvah, saying, kavana. Do you have to have kavanah when you do a mitzvah? Or do you not have to have kavanah? Now I'm not talking about saying l'shem yichar. I'm not talking about saying anything. I'm talking about thinking something. Does anybody know how we pasken? Tzricha's kavanah or ain't tzricha's kavanah? Tzricha's kavanah. We pasken is kavanah, which means we paskin. If you go into a sukkah and you don't think I am now fulfilling the mitzvah of sukkah. Yatsa or layatsa? yatsa? I understand. I spent an hour on the sukkah. I learned for two hours. I didn't stop and think. I have kavana to be mekayim the mitzvah of Talmud Torah. Yatsa or lo yatsa? Shulchan Arach writes openly. Now Mishaburah has a little bit of a loophole over here. Mishaburah quotes Chayyim that since, what in the world else am I doing in front of a Gemara, other than being Mekayim, in the midst of Talmud Torah? So there's a certain Svara that we say, Staman Lashma. It's, it's for the purpose of the mitzvah. But that's really, it's a kula. It's a kula that the Mishnah brought. But I'm not, I'm not here to speak about the halakha, Let's try to understand the concept. Without preparation for something, you could experience the most magnificent thing in this world. You could have a guy playing a magical instrument. It costs $3 million. Most people in the world would spend $100 to listen to it. And he could be playing in a subway station. But you're not prepared for the experience. You're not going to get anything out of it. It's going to be meaningless. You're not ready for it. You're not going to gain from it. Ms. Il-Sisham writes, You can't enter a mitzvah suddenly. You can't do a mitzvah suddenly. Without a certain settled mind. With the ability to think about what you're doing. Before you do any mitzvah, you pause. You say to yourself, what am I doing now? I'm doing a mitzvah. Who told me to do the mitzvah? The Yoban Hashem told me to do the mitzvah. What am I accomplishing? I'm connecting tachalish Barfu. That momentary pause will transform something. That's the most majestic thing in this world. Without the thought, you get nothing out of it. With the thought, you rise up adlerakia. Most things in this world, you need preparation to get something from it. You know, it's a very there's a very interesting taz. Anybody remember, Chazal tell us that we take the lulav on Sukkot, yeah? Anybody remember, what's the Lashen of the Pasuk, when the Pasuk says you should take the lulav? What day of the year do you take the lulav? The Pasuk says, You take the first day. And the Medrash asks, what do you mean? You don't take the lulav the first day. You take it, which day of the month? Take it the 15th day of the month. The Medrash asks, it's not the first day, it's the 15th of the month. So the Medrash says, it's Rishain L'Cheshvon Avoynoit. It's the first day you could do an Avera. What do you mean the first day you could do an Avera? So the Medrash explains, Erev Rosh Hashanah, people are fasting, people are saying Selichos, no time to do an Avera. Rosh Hashanah, people are immersed in Tshuva, no time to do an Avera. chuva, Simei tshuva, nobody's doing an Avera. Yom Kippur, nobody's doing an Avera. And then the four days before sukkas, you're preparing to sit in the sukkah, building the sukkah, taking the dal and minim. So there's no time to do an oh, comes the night of the 15th. Comes the 15th. You're sitting in your sukkah. You have nothing to do with yourself. Now you're able to do an avera. So the 15th is the first day you could do an avera. What's the obvious question? Well, wait, wait a second. Why could I do an avera between Yom Kippur and sukkahs? Oh, between because I'm buying Dalad Minim. What mitzvah is there to buy Dalad Minim? No mitzvah in the Torah to buy dal What do you call buying Dalaminim? called? Heksher mitzvah. Right, you're prepared to. Build. I'm building a sukkah. Is there a mitzvah in the Torah to build a sukkah? No, there's no mitzvah. There's not, it's not one of the 613 mitzvahs. The mitzvah is to sit in the sukkah. Building the sukkah is what we call what? Heksher mitzvah. I don't understand. If I'm not going to do a mitzvah when I'm buying Dalad Minim, and I'm not going to do a mitzvah, if I'm not going to do an avera when I'm buying Dalad I'm not going to do an avera when I'm building a sukkah, then when I'm taking the Dalad Minim and I'm sitting in the sukkah, I'm certainly not going to do an avera. So why would I do an avera on the first day of sukkah? That's the kasha of the taz. The taz wants to know why is the first day of sukkah, the first opportunity I have to do, a mitzvah, to do an avera, what do you mean? If I didn't do an Avera in the days in between, certainly I'm not going to do an Avera when I'm actually being the Kayim, the mitzvah. Many achroinim give the following answer. That it's true buying Dalad Minim is not a mitzvah. And it's true building a sukkah is not a mitzvah. But it's preparing to do an amitzvah. And in a certain sense, the preparation for a mitzvah is more powerful than the actual performance of the mitzvah, because it's amelos, it's effort, it's work, it's toil, it's all, it's immersive. And therefore, you might do an avera on the first day of Sukkot, because then you're only actually doing a mitzvah, but when you're preparing, you're putting in the hard work, now then you're protected. So we learn from here, the more important something is, the more you got to prepare. So now we understand a little bit why Sphira is so important. What's the most important thing that ever happened in the world? That ever happened? Hashem <laughs> So for Sukkot, you prepare four days. Now, Pesach is a very important yom tif. There are a lot of halachas. How many days do you prepare for Pesach? Yom <laughs> But Kabbalah Satorah is the seminal event in the history of the world, the most important thing that ever happened. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us the instructions for life. And every year on Shavuos, we commemorate that. So it's not going to be enough to prepare for four days. It's not going to be enough to prepare for 30 days. you got to prepare. It's the longest stretch of the year that's dedicated to any specific purpose. Hachana for Kabbalah HaTorah. 49 days, most important time of the year. It's in a way greater than Shavuos, because Shavuos is just receiving the, this is our effort to be eligible to receive the time. Otherwise, Shavuos could come, and you could hear a beautiful instrument, and you're just going to walk by, you'll be lucky, maybe you put a penny in the violin case. To appreciate something, you got to prepare for it. I want to share with you a chidush. I didn't even know the chidush. I myself was unaware of it. And it's so important to, to, to know, to think about, to be aware of. We spend most of our day in the show, we're learning Torah. Yeah? What are we doing by learning Taira? I'll tell you the truth, for most of my life I didn't know this. What are we doing? I know Hashem said to learn Taira. For what? For what? Talmud Taira kineger It's equal all the mitzvah. What exactly are we doing by learning Taira? I'm going to share with you a short Gemara. The Gemara talks about Rav Sheshas. Rav Sheshas, every 30 days, he would review all of his learning. So in our times, you know, Hashem gave us a little bit of a gift that we could... You know, Reb Chaim Knievsky would review all of his learning once a year. So we could have a Hasaga, maybe in earlier generation, somebody could le- review it every 30 days. And after the 30 days, he would go up to the top of the boat. And he would say, He Chadoi nafshoy." He would say, be happy, myself. Be happy, myself. Rejoice, my soul. Rejoice, my soul. You know why? L'cha Kiroi, I'm reading Chumash for you. L'cha Tanoi. I'm learning Mishnah for you. So basically, Rabbi Sheshis would make a Siyam. He would go up to that boat and he would basically say, I'm really happy for myself. I did a good thing for me. So Gemara asks, wow, how selfish that is. You're supposed to learn for yourself. The Gemara asks, Don't Chazal say that if somebody wouldn't learn Torah, the world couldn't exist so learning Torah holds up the whole world. So why is Rokshesha being so selfish that he's saying that he's learning for himself? He's not only for himself, he's learning for the whole world. You ready for the Gemara's answer? It says, The Gemara M'sachim, ki inish adate Excuse me? But I left that one word. The Gemara says, When a person learns, they learn for themselves. I left out the first word. Meikara. Ki avid inish adaita avid. Who knows what the word me'ikara means? Me'ikara. Initially. 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 Good. Very good. Me'ikara. In the beginning. Right? Simply. Me'ikara. In the beginning, when you learn, you should learn for yourself. That's what the Gemara means? Rav Sheshis was a beginner? The Gemara, what's the Gemara's answer? The Gemara has a question. Rav would every 30 days, he'd go to the top of the boat and he would say, I'm happy for myself. I learned Chumash for myself. I learned mishnah for myself. The Gemara asks, what do you mean you're not supposed to learn for yourself? You're supposed to learn for the whole world. The Gemara says, no, me'ikara in the beginning, when you learn, learn for yourself. Rav was a beginner. I mean, I I would love to see what, what, uh, you know, somebody on a higher level was. What does the Gemara mean? ki inish adaita I want to share with you a gra. The gra on Sefer Devarim. I was not aware of this. It's a Chidush Noira. It's a game changer. The gra says there are three types of averays. The three main averays are Avoidazara, gili arayos, Avoid the zara is bein adam. Lamakim, good. Between you and God. Shvichas damim, murder is bein adam. La chaveray. Says the Gra, immoral conduct, bein adam la It's not a matter between you. It's not. It's not affecting relationship with Hashem directly. It's not about you and somebody else. It's about you and yourself. You ruin yourself. The pasuk says, isha You destroy yourself. It's self-destructive behavior. So there's something called "bein adam and there's something called "bein adam and there's something called "bein adam la'atzmai," where you destroy. Your, a person could destroy themselves. The Yoban Hashem could say, "Look, I, 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 I feel very close to you. You're just ruining yourself." Now that itself is a chidosh. There's something called Bein Adam la'atzmai. Now you ready for this? The Gura continues. There are three kinds of mitzvahs. What are the three most important mitzvahs? Taira, Avoida, Tfilah, Avoida, Bein Adam, Lamakai. Gemilas Chasadim, Bein Adam le Says the Torah is Adam la'atzmai. What? What is that supposed to mean? What does it mean adam I'm not learning to connect Barhu What does it even mean that learning Torah is been Adam la'atzmai? What does that even mean? Rav David Koy in the Rashiva of explains as follows: Every person has a neshama. The neshama is a chilek It's a piece of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Which means your potential, your ability, your capability is infinite, is endless. What a person could accomplish, there are no limits. The thing is, it's latent. You know what latent means? It's potential. It's all potential. The million dollar question is, I have in me and you have in you endless potential. How do you access it? How do you bring it out? How do you take the greatness that you have and make something out of it? What's the key? Davening will connect you to HaKadosh Doing Chesed will connect you to your friend. And learning Torah will bring out the infinite greatness that you have inside of you, but without it, it remains locked. It remains inaccessible. That's the Inyan of Talmud Torah. It's between a person and themself. When you get up in the morning and you say, what's going to be with me? When you look yourself in the mirror and you say, okay, how old are you? 15, 16, 17? Basically, right? Okay, what am I going to be after Masifta? What am I going to be one day as a father, as an adult? What am I going to accomplish in my life? Who am I going to be? How am I going to become elevated? The answer is Talmud is between Adam asma. Talmud is the key. The Gra says it's the way to access the endless potential that lies within you. Says Reb David When the Gemara says Meikara, the Gemara doesn't mean in the beginning you start to learn for yourself. The word Meikara means fundamentally, in principle. You know why a person learns? Of course you learn for the whole world. Of course when you learn, you uphold the whole world. And of course when you learn, you connect to HaKadosh Baruch And of course when you learn, you get schar. But what's the fundamental reason why we learn? What's the principal reason why we learn? Ta'ma Toira is for ourselves. It's to be able to bring out, it's to be able to access the greatness that that's within us. I think it's a very big Chiddush. I was... Uh, Shaken by, by seeing this gra. But I think this is a game changing gra. This, ch- this is a life changing gra. Understanding that what we dedicate our lives to is principally for ourselves. It's for our own benefit. It's for our own happiness. It's for our own greatness. <coughs> Otherwise, chas v'sham, a person could remain with so much. I remember when I was a Bachar, I, uh, I lived in Flatbush. I, I grew up, anyone know Brooklyn? On Avenue M and East 31st. I used to walk to Rabbi Victor Miller's shul. I did it for three years, almost every week. I remember one time he gave a mashal. He said, you know, there was once a poor man. He was sleeping in his bed. And he had no money, he had no money, he had no money. And nobody ever told him that in the, under his bed, on the floorboard, the guy who, who lived there before him had a treasure box. And in the treasure box was $10 million. And it was in his house. So legally and halakhically he owned $10 million. Is he rich or is he poor? He's very poor. Why? Because he doesn't even know about it. He didn't know about it. So he had $10 million, but he didn't know he had $10 million. So Miller would say, and that's all of us. We have within us, Riches, treasures, greatness. But we don't even realize it. We don't even recognize it. <laughs> Rav Sheshes, every 30 days he reminded himself. Because you could learn, you could learn, you could learn. And then you forget, why am I learning? Am I upholding the whole world? Yes. Am I bringing bracha to the whole world? Yes. But fundamentally, in principle, me'ikara means in principle, Ki Ovid Inish Adaita It's for ourselves, meaning, it's to be able to be who we're able to be. So, you know, you, you have to give uh, a lot of Hakar Satoiv to your Rabbeim, you know. Your Rabbeim are giving you the greatest gift in the world, you know. Your parents bring you La but your Rebbe brings you Ta Your Rebbe gives you the key. He's giving you the most important thing that anyone ever gave you in this world. He's giving you the ability to become who you need to become. So I thank you very much for uh, sharing with me a few minutes of your time. And uh, we should all have Hatzlacha preparing for Kabbalah Satoira and appreciating the great gift that Kallosh gave us. And you should all be Matzliach in all of your endeavors. Thank you very much. And baruch of